The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. All right, click. Maybe the blue code live button is sexist. Maybe it just likes me and Genevieve better. We've never had to test this theory with Scott because of his <laughs> incomprehensible inability to use the internet. You can keep hacking, but actually using, <laughs> like, like, using pre-programmed applications is beyond him. I know. It like actually makes sense. And we're live. Today is Tuesday, August 24th. 2021 it is 501 p.m and it's just us it is our 499th episode if we've counted right so far which god (laughs) knows which we definitely haven't (laughs) which we almost certainly have not um uh and uh yeah kate and genevieve are in new york and i am in the badlands in South yeah. Dakota. Um, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's pretty excellent. Uh, they're bad. They're badass. And um, and I hiked 10 miles through them today. Sounds- Timothy Scott says it's 496. Um, which Whoa, is, is prob- that true? Well, I suspect that we have misnumbered a few episodes here and there and um uh and so i, I mean we got off we to off a really weird few. start with like that th- those danielle episodes remember ben like because then we had to do them twice and like we stopped one like halfway through because it didn't work yeah I mean, oh, believe me i remember um, <laughs> yes uh, so so maybe we should have like the official renumbering where we go through and correct the numbering on all the episodes so that we get to 500 on our actual 500th episode. Wait, I'm really confused because uh, the, the, uh, the um, In Lieu of Fun uh, GitHub does have us being at 498, but is that because it reflects the erroneous numbering of the... I I really have no idea. I just think if it's nobody's job to do it, the likelihood that it's done right is, uh, you know, decreases marginally every episode. It's had 500 or 496 opportunities to inject error, and I'd be surprised if there were no errors in it. I kind of love, uh, yeah, and it's also all human error, which is even better. Well, I declare, I declare, much like, you know, Pope Gregory redid the calendar, um, I declare that that this is, our next episode will be our 500th episode, as observed, if not in fact. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that being said, when is that going to be? because we are going to be taking a break for the rest of the week. Um, Scott is delivering his son to college, which is really cute. Um, And uh, Ben is coming back from the Badlands. I'm Uh, back. I'm hiking back, yeah. You're hiking, he's walking. (laughs) I'm Uh, actually driving a lot of the way. Not the train? Well, there is no train no from kidding. the Badlands. Not, yeah, not like a real hotbed of like. You, you cannot to, like, get an Amtrak from here. You got to go to North Dakota. Infrastructure. You got to get yeah, a, right? go to North Dakota to get an Amtrak. Um, uh, and besides, I have to be in Cincinnati on Friday for a wedding, so um, uh, so uh, I am going to drive from here to Cincinnati and then pick up the Amtrak from Cincinnati home. We were discussing the wheel of cheese being true, but wasn't there also an episode of the West Wing Genevieve that was about North Dakota trying to rename itself just yes. Dakota? Yes, because, because they it thought... was like 
it was like um, it was like poorly it was like a poor branding kind of like greenland yes. and iceland yes. yeah exactly so i mean and this poor is donna goes for, but they have yeah like a poor donna goes to dakota dakota um yeah so this is interesting because north dakota has but like what you don't hear in that story is that north dakota has the only functioning amtrak i would have i would think that that would be a great selling point for north dakota it would. Well, there may be Amtrak uh, lines somewhere else in South Dakota. But just not but, through the Badlands. Um, but not through the Badlands. Um, and I wanted to see the Badlands, uh, and I wanted to uh, see uh, uh, some of the Lakota territories. Uh, that's with an L. Um, and uh, and so I rented a car in Minneapolis and just drove here awesome. um, and listened to in lieu of fun yesterday intermittently as I drifted in and out of, we had of a really nice time. I, I heard about uh, two fifths of it um, whenever the the uh, signal would come in, I would get a little bit of it. And so I, I heard Annette Gordon-Reed talking about life as a, in law firms and um, transition cool. to writing about history. It was a great, yeah, I, I will like listen both, to the other three fifths, um, yeah. but I, I have not I yet. More, I was more nervous, like we've done almost 500 episodes and I like don't really get nervous anymore. And I was very nervous for that episode and uh, like nerve and like Scott was nervous and we both knew that the other was nervous. And so it was kind of like, <laughs> and we didn't have a plan, which is always the plan, but like, it's a little bit like more kind of, it's a little scarier when the stakes are higher. So, but it worked out well. well I also listened to an audio book that I recommend uh, to and in, was by a guest uh, who I really want to have on in lieu of fun. Have if have any of you seen Derek Delgadio's show uh, 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 in and of itself? No. no. So he is uh, an incredible. I wouldn't say magician because that is gives the wrong flavor of what he does. He's a sleight of hand artist, uh, and he is a, um, a former card cheat. Um, not um, not somebody who is a gambler himself who cheats, but he has is a Hulu movie about him. Yes, uh, called In and of Itself, yeah, uh, which is a link to it in the thing. Sorry. A monologue that he did. It the that monologue is incredible. Um, really? At, yes, like mind-blowingly interesting. Cool. And I liked it so much that I just read it. Uh, read his book, um, and uh, which is called A Moral Man, uh, uh, and. Uh, it is very interesting. It's about you know how you grow up uh, to be a uh, a uh, basically dealer, uh, somebody who hires himself out to de to cheat deal on behalf of corrupt gamblers. Um, hmm. It's a pretty interesting story. Cool. That sounds awesome. Have you ever, sorry, this is like a slight tangent, but like I really want to watch that now and I'm going to watch it and then I'm going to read the book. But also, Ben, if you like that, you will love the Ricky Jay documentary. Have you ever watched that? No, I've never heard of it. What is it? Uh, Ricky Jay was just like probably like um, the, hold on, I'll find the documentary. Um, Ricky Jay was uh, a incredible incredible magician that was kind of classically trained from the age of like five he started doing magic tricks and just devoted his entire life to it and developed these routines like over time and they and he kind of was when he died like kind of considered like the last great magician sorry john is sending me the link um he was absolutely incredible um and uh his his uh Hi, David. And his um, his the documentary about him is like a piece of art. It really is very, very, very well done. Um, he's incredible. So yeah, I would highly recommend that if you 
are into like this this magic world right now. Um, well, I, I mean, I have gone through phases of interest in magic, and we'll certainly uh, check that out. Uh, this was um, I was recommended this by David Plotz, uh, not because of any particular interest in magic, just because it's an incredible. Uh, monologue and i'm really interested in monologues in the sort of spalding gray style um and um uh he, but he I, I also ricky j also had great monologues like he, no no he no i'm just, totally yeah, yeah it was totally awesome. uh totally uh uh into uh, so so where is the um uh what is the ricky j uh uh movie called it's called Deceptive Practice, The Mystery and Mentors of Ricky Jay. And it was done in 2012, um, before he died in 2018. And um, it is just kind of like a beautiful kind of homage to his craft. And like, actually he talks really openly about trying to like, stay away from the allure of becoming uh, a con man or an amoral man and like trying to avoid like the life of like turning tricks like to make money and doing and like cheating and gambling and kind of how he how he kind of but also being like the art of magic is dying and so like how he like stays true to the art of magic uh, and while like not doing like these other things so I don't know it's I think it's I think it's wonderful so I'm just I only mention it because it is it is just truly excellent and now I'm I'm you mentioning this book makes me really excited because I loved I loved the moral dilemma of of interesting Th this this book is all about the moral dilemma and uh of a person who does not like to lie um uh becoming entranced with a career that is based on entirely on deception and the role of secrecy in his life and uh, how it um, morphs into various different things at different times in his life. Yeah, very cool. So, I'm going to be watching both of these. And I know, <laughs> I know. I am like now. I'm like really happy that I have a plan for for tonight. Uh, the, uh, but we have to resolve the very clear issue of what to do with the 500th episode. We are not going to have so, anything from now until Friday. Right. So just just to make that very clear to everybody, we are off Wednesday, off Thursday, off Friday, off Saturday, off Sunday back on monday with our 500th episode as observed and yeah perfect and uh we would love suggestions on how we should celebrate um i still have a uh a paper mache unicorn <laughs> uh pinata that i got for what was it like our t our our 300 our one year anniversary ben um, that I keep meaning, like I'm holding on to just so I can give it to Maggie Feldman Pilch because she's the she should obviously possess this unicorn, um, and uh, yeah. Uh, but I besides unicorns, I'm curious what we. I feel like we've lost some of like the jokes as time has gone on. Like, like the Lisa Page puppet hasn't been out in so long. Boris Johnson news. Boris Johnson. We haven't news. had murder hornets on the show. Okay, so we should someone make a list. I'm, I'm okay, writing like, it I'm down. Get, like, Boris get Johnson pic. murder I'm hornet. I'm gonna get some like, piece of paper and it's a post. Lisa Page puppet. <laughs> Lisa Page puppet. There was like the anchovy shark. <laughs> oh, the saber tooth anchovies. Yeah. I think I may have to bring us. Remember when I gave? Remember when I turned the entire show? That remember when I made us a seder bed, a seder plate, or something? Wasn't it? I do. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that had, was excellent. You had to eat like you had to eat all this weird stuff. You were like, that was the weirdest thing in groceries that's ever been dropped off in my house. You're yeah, like, there why were. Why are there, there? Why are there oysters? I'm like, oh, those were just for you to like. Have. <laughs> <laughs> those were just for fun. <laughs> like, um, also, uh, the song. Oh my God, the song! Oh my gosh. We, we need we need to have, have a, a performance. have a uh, or at least a play a a, a playing of it. Uh, Lisa points out that 
Blam Prosciutto really should show up. I, that got thrown away, but we'll bring in. I know, I know. It was you pretty. You threw out the round lamb prosciutto? I, I mean, I carved off some of it, but then, like, I ate it, and then, like, it was like, okay, this is maybe, like, like desiccated to the point of, like, not being delicious. I thought it was, I thought it was supposed to get better with age. I mean, if I had properly cared for it, I think. <laughs> like, it's just. The abandoned lamb prosciutto. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, like, brought it back from Cape Cod and stuck it in my fridge without being covered. Uh, and it just dried out kind of like too much. As to the firing of Baby Cannon, uh, I don't think that can easily happen because being an ob observant uh, person of DC law, I do not store uh, black powder in Washington, DC. I store it only at the cabin in the woods and I'm not gonna be at the cabin. Yeah. Um, and I would never fire Baby Cannon in Washington, D.C. anymore. <laughs> um. <laughs> never. I would never do that these days. Baby Cannon, <laughs> Baby Prosecco. Okay. We have um, Baby the cormorant. Chipmunk, the cormorant, like the animals, I guess. Like, uh, I can try to rustle can, up an animal. Can you rustle up a cormorant or a, or a large turtle? Um, no. Photos? <laughs> like, we can do photos? Not. <laughs> um, <laughs> we could revisit them. I mean, like, there have been many, it's not just, um, it's not just the rescue. I mean, there were just so many animals, but none of, very few of them made their way onto the show because. The cormorant did. Was the cormorant No, it wasn't. I the photo was. The photo of you carrying it was pretty funny. And it yeah. biting you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, there was, uh, I did have, the, I think there was the baby chipmunk was on the show and the baby turtle was on the show, the baby diamondback terrapin. Um, but the bigger sea turtle was not on because it got picked up too fast. And then, uh, and Nina has been on many times, as David Bounds points out. Um, Lisa uh, also points out that the moment in which Scott broke the internet on the show. Oh, um, Scott breaks uh, the internet. I was going to ask if all of this is going to be in a PowerPoint. Pugilism week. Yeah, maybe we should put it in a PowerPoint. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, I've circled that as like a... It's also better because, frankly, Crowdcast is not awesome for sharing media. And it's annoying. That's um, true. Shaving the eyebrow, shaving all the things. David bots shaving his, cutting his beard with. Uh, yeah, shaving is actually does not quite do justice. What he with? Yeah, shearing. <laughs> no shearing. I will. I will do formally the eyebrow shave on the 500th episode. Do you know this is probably the longest that I've ever had my hair in my life, and I think I'm just gonna keep it going. My last haircut was February 2020, and I think I'm just gonna keep it going until until then. You know, I think one thing we should do is uh, create oh, a flipbook. Create a flipbook of Kate's hair growing over the course of the show. Yeah, that's because, awesome. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> Kate. Uh, was uh hair was like my length when the yeah. show started it was it's like crazy um there's uh daniel's chair though definitely goes in um uh yeah tim miller cut his hair and cheated uh <laughs> no hair flip book um the uh was there oh yeah we did the really terrible Munch, munch, munch week. <laughs> Wait, I want to defend munch, munch, munch week because I learned something awesome on munch, munch, munch week, which was how to make Genevieve's grandma's roasted red peppers. And I have done it several times since then, including texting Genevieve in the middle <laughs> of the night for, uh, for advice. Um, uh, and uh, I, I will not, do not repent 
And I bet you if you put a poll up and asked people uh, whether they wanted uh, another Munch, Munch, Munch week, it would um, it would do reasonably well in that poll. I'm not sure it would prevail. Oh, but yeah. it would, it would not embarrass munch, munch, itself. Munch, Munch, Munch week came in a, like during a period of time in which I was not at my own home. And so like everyone in my house was very annoyed that like for two <laughs> out of five like days in the week, I was doing, uh, I was taking over the entire kitchen. So that was like just a little, like it was like a little kind of, it was a little difficult. Oh wait, oh yeah, trolley problems. Mm. Christopher Argerus is raising his voice in opposition to Munch, Munch, Munch Week. And I just want to say, Christopher, next time we have Munch, Munch, Munch Week, uh, you are going to cook something on the yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, 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 Christopher. We didn't have Christopher, like, the in lieu of fun community, like, like, saves Christopher Argerus's life. Like, uh, we've never even talked about it kind of publicly. So, like, we could, like, yeah, have I, think the, we're, I think that's I know, we're not, not our story to. to tell. It's not uh, our story to tell, but yeah. it's like, but we could, yeah. If we ever Can had I, to do a sip, sip, sip week, we could all make cocktails. Ooh, Ooh, that's a good idea. Can I just also say that if we ever do Munch, Munch, Munch week again, uh, we got to get Alan Rosenstein to cook on the show because that boy has many talents, you know. But none of them is uh, more awesome than his cooking skills. He is actually a remarkable cook, and um, and we should have him on the show to cook, uh, teach certain cooking techniques because it is awesome. I just stayed in his house for a couple days, and I'm uh, very grateful for his cooking. Oh, that reminds me of the. Uh, that reminds me that he and Hannah at one point. Uh, collectively applauded my cowlick. That's true. In fact, I think they may have chanted. Cowlick. Cowlick. <laughs> exactly. Cowlick. Yeah. yeah, that was a good moment. Oh boy. Um, we like. Let's see. Um, wait, David Botts. Why do you keep saying I am not a cat over and over again? Was that like a thing? Did I miss that? Did I forget that? Oh, is that the lawyer? Oh, the Three Wise Men episode was good. That that was good. That was when remember we did a mystery guest and I had I like conned Mike Chase and, and David Priest to become the three wise men. Uh, yeah, that was that pretty was funny. Yeah, that was um, a good. That was a good episode. <laughs> uh, three wise men. Oh, by the way, to everybody who's asking or thinking about asking, um, uh, I just haven't been posting the podcast versions the last few days because I've been on the road. Uh, I'm not stopping. Okay, good. I'm just going to give a poll update. We currently have 61%, 61 61.9% of the audience saying absolutely. Oh, just shifted. It went more to our absolutely for another munch, munch, munch week. We have 8.7% saying no way. And then 25% saying depends on what you're making. Yeah. So I just want to say munch, munch, munch week is there is a silent majority in favor of munch, munch, munch week. It's, <laughs> it's a sort of vocal, you know, it's it's like a vocal, a vocal minority that objects to it. But, you know. Yeah. I mean, then we had, I really loved the episode with Sarah Longwell and the undecided voter with Scott. Yes. Well, I do, really good. I do think that was one of the high points of the show. Yeah. Was having Sarah Longwell do, do a, <laughs> a focus group with, with uh, Scott, with Scott <laughs> as, as fake undecided voter. <laughs> Uh, Anything that has Sarah Longwell doing a focus group with Scott, I am a huge fan of. It was really fun. We should find another, we should find like another area for her to focus group Scott. Like it should just be like. A regular um, thing. Yeah, just like something really like, something really. Oh, wait, we forgot the Morel episode. There was the the Morel episode. There there were actually a. A few morale episodes. There's the original. <laughs> there's the original morale episode with um, 
with Scott and David Golov. There's the you and Scott go morelling episode, and then there's the me, the I go morelling episode. <laughs> oh, my oh my god! I will like I'll never forget like being in the restaurant and like holding up like kind of fascinated like the fake morale that was bursting with ants they're just like everywhere we just discovered this like we did not know this we've been carrying it around that in the was, bag. it was and it was, Scott awesome. was like don't touch that and just like smacked it out of my hand it was so funny and, it was like no and then, and then uh while we're on the subject of insects i mean there is the great uh b episode Mm-hmm. Which is still one of my three or four favorite episodes of the show. Oh yeah, with Jeff and his—he's uh—he's like some—he's like giving away his hives now. He has too many. Oh wow! Really? Does he want to send one to me? No, they're really hard to transport across state lines, as you heard about. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, much less from coast to coast. But I—he—I I, I was so interested in that, even though I have actually allergic to bee stings. I don't think I'd be a very good beekeeper. Um, uh, but I think we should bring him back with a beehive. I think it's been too long since we've had a, a live swarm of bees on the oh, show. Cicadas, as as Doctor Reverend. Hillary Livingston points out. We had a whole thing about being obsessed with cicadas. That was pretty awesome, to be fair. They were like, did I tell you about this, Ben? That we got like cicadas in New York, but there were like two? Like I saw like two or three. Well, they don't. The birds they were don't, fighting over them. Yeah, they don't usually come through that much. Uh, I mean, they, they, they don't usually come that far north. Um, there used to be a swarm on Long Island, but it's, uh, uh, I think it's mostly extinct now. Yeah. Um, oh, someone brings up the Corvid. We did have like a whole Corvid thing with Carl Bergstrom and then uh, Kaylee Swift. Kaylee Swift. More awesome. COVIDs, less COVID. Yeah. Um, there a slogan that someday will catch on. Yeah. I mean... I don't actually remember ever seeing, I remember seeing the shells of cicadas growing up, like very like regularly and hearing them, but I don't remember seeing them as I kind of saw them this summer and like you sent me pictures of. Um, so maybe it's like a different type of cicada or like locust. Um, it's a, it, I mean, the, the, the 17 year cicadas don't swarm as far north as you are. It's really, uh, I mean, they, there's a big swarm in Indiana, um, but if you look at the map of it, it's concentrated. Like, I think you kind of have to get down into Pennsylvania and Delaware before it's, uh, before they're really endemic. By the way, I, for the first time, had a demand, a roadblock today, and a demand for my vaccine passport as a condition oh, of really? passage, yes, to enter the Pine Ridge uh, Lakota Reservation. They oh, have wow. a roadblock, and they demanded my vaccine passport, and I showed it to them, and they let me on the reservation, um, which I thought was great, and I think we should put up roadblocks all over the country and demand people's proof of vaccination. That has nothing whatsoever to do with cicadas. Um, yeah, like, like, it just suddenly came to mind that somebody demanded my uh, my uh, vaccine proof of vaccination today, and I was. What, I mean, what I mean, did you just give them your vaccine card, or was there a pro was there like a like a proxy medium? Uh, no, he wanted to see my CDC vaccination card, and they had, they literally had a roadblock and were stopping every car. Um, and um and you know and when i i left the reservation on a different road and there was a roadblock on that road too they seemed to just be stealing off the reservation and uh and a lakota friend of mine uh told me that that was going to happen she says they've been doing it for months uh, oh wow 
And so I, I think before the vaccine, they just weren't letting non-tribes members on at all, I think. Um, uh, so, it, it, but it was, it was super different from, you know, walking around DC. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I have to be totally honest, like the vaccine CDC cards do not seem to be the height of like, like really, security. Yeah. Security <laughs> or like any type of like unreplicable, like kind of like, uh, standard at all. Um, but I guess they're, like they're very forgeable. But yeah. how many people are going to forge one in order to get on yes. Uh, yes. the Lakota reservation? Right. I mean, the thing that like you suggest, though, of like kind of making them ubiquitous everywhere and having everyone check them is that they become very valuable. Oh, to I, go no! Anywhere. If you were if you were going to do that, you would say want the CDC to issue something that was a little bit harder to uh, replicate and maybe even create an app that when you get a vaccine, you know, they give you a number and you put it in and a password and then you can show proof of vaccination with your app and transmit it to somebody. Um, just a thought. Isn't that what New York's doing, I think, on the 13th? Yeah. The Excelsior yeah. Pass or something? Yeah. 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 That's, like, exactly what they're doing. But I do think that there's kind of, like, I do think that there's, I I, I don't know. I just think that there's, they had a choice um, at, like, the beginning was, like, some type of really stringent, like, like ID checking on the front end of giving people vaccines and creating a database of people who had received vaccines that were matched with like kind of very stringent like id checking systems that already were in place or vaccinate people as quickly as possible and don't put those like kind of difficulties in place and they made a choice to which i think is the correct choice to not like kind of create those frictions to like even get people vaccinated and, you know, well, this is kind of like the, this is kind of the other side of it. I think it's going to be really interesting, especially since the Pfizer vaccine got approved yesterday with the, yeah. which was really exciting. Yeah, yeah actually the, the uh, gentleman who examined my pass was excited that I had the Pfizer vaccine because he did too. And really? he, he, yeah, he, he, he gave me the thumbs up about Pfizer and told me the FDA had approved it yesterday, which was, the, f the first time I'd heard that because I've been assiduously not reading the news. Um, and so I was, uh, yeah, it was a, a, a rah rah Pfizer. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, wait, did I hear something that they named it something weird? Did they name I don't know. I didn't, oh. I, didn't, I didn't get past the approval. I was too busy dancing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I assume I assume that all the people who've been saying they were, you know, not getting vaccinated because it wasn't FDA approved, heard the news and went out and got vaccinated yesterday. And there were like <laughs> 10, mil 10 million people got the Pfizer vaccination yesterday. Right. I, isn't that what isn't that what yeah, happened? That's, that's how it works. Yes. Or moving some gold or moving some gold posts around. Yeah, well, I, those gold posts are heavy. <laughs> So like one of the um, one of the things that I've been like I made this joke when I was teaching this this in like my eminent domain class, but like the there is an eminent domain case like probably the m most kind of like consequential eminent domain case in the Supreme Court right now that like whose precedent is like it was Kilo um, Kilo versus well United States, but there is kind of like this idea well. It's not kind of like this idea. It was New London, like basically creating an incentive to allow Pfizer to create a huge center in New London because it was supposed to boost the economic, like the failing economic structure of New London, Connecticut. And they used, and the state of New London, or the city of New London, the state of Connecticut used eminent domain to condemn all of these areas. And usually when I teach this, well, for the past couple of years, I'm like, Pfizer is such like an obvious kind of like enemy of the people. It's like this massive, like 
like it was like this massive pharmaceutical company like this is such a problem and they contribute to the opioid pandemic and there's like all of these problems and teaching it this year was completely absurd uh <laughs> because i was like oh my god i'm you know pfizer is not is like no one is like no one was actually like it was a genuine kind of like oh well maybe we like pfizer does good and maybe pfizer makes things that people should that are for the public good and maybe that is a good reason to so anyways it was just kind of an interesting uh, that's that's a really big shift from our class when we did it i know i know that's amazing i know I know, but it's like really funny because you can't make fun of Pfizer. Like it was like a very easy kind of like huge kind of conglomerate pharmaceutical company. And uh, I, I actually kind of, you know, I like the, I like the, the kind of the complication of it. It makes it more interesting to teach. Um, well, should we go to the audience for suggestions for our 500th show? Yeah. Totally. So if you have suggestions for the show, uh, uh, flag them, uh, flag that you want to make them. They can be real serious, real serious, or neither. We do have some general questions. Do we want to go to those while we're waiting for flagged suggestions? Sure. Okay. Let's see if I did this right. Obviously, the person who does the best impersonation of a saber-tooth anchovy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my All right, gosh. Paula, let's see your hear... imitation of a saber-tooth anchovy. Paula, tell us about 1L. How's it going? Have you started classes yet? No, I'm in orientation. How is it? Are you oriented or disoriented? disoriented. Have you heard about our pants debacle? <laughs> I have not heard anything about pants. Oh, Do you okay. want the like sugar coated version or like the No, no. Lay it on. No, us. no. We want the we want the whole yeah. So yeah. besides the debacle, I'm, I'm actually surprised. I thought I would be like super intimidated and then I got there and everyone is human like me. So that was like felt like Great if you tonight. cut them, they bleed. <laughs> um, honestly, I'm surprised for someone like myself who is um, was super COVID cautious. And what I mean by that is like barely left the house, but also because I was a student and like was studying for the LSAT and doing applications. So like there was no need to leave the house. So I'm vaccinated, masked, and quite frankly, with the mask mandate and the vaccine mandate, this is maybe pessimistic. I don't know how long I could like, how long this is sustainable. Like having a vaccine mandate with the mask mandate, like for me just being in like a classroom with a mask on for that long, oh. it's, it's so difficult. And like, I, I feel like I did not feel the pandemic for so long because I was at home doing Zoom University you know, Instacarting groceries and studying. And now when Kate told me that all, or told the, I say me, when I saw on YouTube before I like outed myself, um, Kate's experiences with like Zoom or not Zoom teaching in person and like everyone's like, you know, experiences, I totally get it now. And I'm someone who's super COVID cautious, but like, it's so taxing. And I don't know if I have two classes or three classes a day, but it seems um, quite, I don't know if unsustainable is the right word. I saw, I don't know if it was Kate, you know her last name, she teaches at MIT and she um, came on the show. Um, she talked about robots. I totally like blanking Kate Darling? Wait, Grok? Yes, oh, oh, Kate Darling, yes. Kate and I think Darling, she mentioned yeah. that even at MIT, they have um, breakthrough cases with the masking mandate and a vaccine mandate, if I'm correct. And Stanford is currently, requiring testing for vaccinated people as well. So that was a long, very pessimistic thing. But that is, honestly, what I- What does it have to do with pants? Oh, oh so I- iced, iced coffee on herself. So in the first 10 minutes of orientation, I spilled coffee on one of the registration tables. 
Um, and then about two hours later, I spilled my water all over the back of my pants. Um, and so that was my experience on the first day. Oh, um, so wait a minute. Let's let's process this. What did you destroy on the registration table with the coffee? Nothing. It was so next. You, it was it was a registration table next to the main one. So it was just like everyone. Oh, so you don't you don't get any points for that. No, like, I don't unless, get any points. Unless you take took out the registration list so that the University of Michigan couldn't start the first year because it couldn't tell who its students were because yes. they were washed away by coffee. Um, uh, it, you don't get any points for that. No, there's no like um, redeemable points or something like that. <laughs> and water is like, you know, is like a less bad version of pee. So yes. just like <laughs> you really, I mean, this is really unimpressive for the first day. Paula. Yeah, like, and frankly, Paula, if you're gonna do a spill better the first day than the last day when it's all on your notes. Yeah. Oh, I, oh. She speaks truth. That's true. I, did I do that. have battle scars, though, because I had to sprint to my apartment and back, and my shoes are new, and I got back, and, like, my white shoes have, like, kind of blood all over the inside from my ankle, just, like, tearing all over them. So Don't it's going well. It's, you're already have spilled blood for your 1L year. That's more than most people. So I think that you're fine. Um, but that was... Yeah, my, my take. I was shocked at how much it felt normal, which I guess makes sense given I just graduated like four months ago. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I think like you got to, I, I think first of all, next time uh, you're going to mess up an orientation table. Uh, bleeding. Where all the things are? No, no, bleeding from like, like, like Kate doing the cut yourself with a knife. And uh, <laughs> I mean, that's really more where you want to go. You want to, it, it should be the result of injury, not, you know, maybe break the cup, but like cut yourself on the cup. I think that these, this is the kind of uh, uh, improvements that we're looking for. I also feel like this is a good starting point for your Where's the Lie show contribution in the future, but oh, I don't think okay. we're there yet. Gotcha. <laughs> I, yeah, I that's will. right. It's a totally believable story, Paula. The good thing is that it can only go up from here, right? It can only go up. Well, separately, yeah. like, can we talk about like your actual observations about like what this is, what this year is going to be like? Because I feel, I mean, I've had a couple of friends get like a, a couple of friends get breakthrough cases um, at this point, and I. I'm just really concerned about mostly about people with young kids that are going to have to teach. I and will, um, yeah, I'll tell you. So, um, when the first case hit Michigan, I did not go to class that day, the next morning. And I called my school and I asked them what are protocols and the administ administration lady like laughed at me. Um, and she was like asking me basically like kind of like mocking if I was scared or something. And I was like, okay. Um, she was just like, just talk to your professors to see if they, what they want to do, which I think was kind of shocking given I thought there would be like a school policy. And within five hours, almost all Michigan universities closed. And I had a friend reach out to me and say, I can't go back. Can't wait to go back in two weeks. And I told her, I probably think that we won't go back until after we're graduated. Um, just, and she was shocked. <laughs> that was my one right call. I think now, if, like I have a good batting average on this, it, everything goes back online quite quickly. Ugh. I mean, personally, like the, so actually, um, Annette, uh, Gordon Reed said something really interesting the other day, which is like, well, I got used to just teaching online. I got used to it and it got better. And like, I got better at it. And like, one of the things that I really thought was incredibly hard for me with the way that St. John's had personally, like they had done it was just like, personally, like I found it very hard to go back and forth between teaching and planning and mm -hmm. teaching like a class for like, and for teaching in front of my computer and that amount of energy that I had to muster in that exact way and how I would cue things up and how everything would kind of come together versus doing it in person 
on like a PowerPoint, which I was like used to doing. Like you could like fall back on that. I kind of knew how to do that, but it was just like, like two totally different systems of like learning. And there were students that hated learning online. And there, this is the biggest thing is they care about like really what the students think. And there were students that like hated learning online and there were students that loved it. Um, and so I will like admit yeah. like to the people <laughs> I am biased. I loved learning online and I like, I felt like my resume before applying to law school was like so empty and I was like kind of embarrassed and I got to study for the LSAT and be a volunteer on multiple campaigns all at the same time. And I think that wouldn't have happened, right? Like I couldn't have driven to um, like whatever building they had hmm. set up, you know, the volunteer stations. I, like, it's just like your, your day um, doesn't mold as well when you have to drive places, like it, just even the driving itself. Um, and I also had like classes of like 20 people. So very different than like a full, you know, 80 person to 100 person classroom. Yeah, totally. But just think about it this way. Let's reframe it for a second, though, Paula, because you were so resilient in that situation and you were able to make it work for you. I'm sure that being in person, while it will be difficult at first, you'll be able to make that work for you as well. Yes, I, I'll figure it out. Um, I think it I, I think honestly, like I think my mom like mentioned it to me. She was like, I think you aren't going through the same pandemic. Most people were because if you were someone like me, like where you had like an LSAT to study for, you weren't leaving your bedroom much anyways. I wasn't seeing daylight most of the time anyways. Um, so I, for, I mean, it wasn't until I had winter break that I was like, wow, it's boring. Um, so, yeah. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then did you want to ask your question about the public opinion? Sure. Okay. Um, so my question and this is based on what's coming out of Afghanistan. I've seen some people talk about public opinion and whether or not that should be a driving force in the withdrawal. And I'm wondering what is the role of public opinion? And I don't, I, I wanna separate that from people who like have like that meme kind of slogan of we're like a republic, not a democracy. Cause I think that's kind of something else. But I mean, we, I think it's, important to consider whether or not the public is educated on foreign policy issues. And now that we've seen polling on things like January 6th and like vaccine conspiracies, when we have part of the public thinking that, you know, insurrections are totally okay and patriotic, we'll, how do we weight public opinion? I'm not saying like throw it out the window and I'm not saying that it should be everything, but I think it needs to be examined a bit more than something that's just thrown out on cable news or on Twitter. Oh, sorry, Paula. So, so I think the answer, th there's no simple answer to that question, but uh, let me give you uh, a unsatisfying uh, somewhat nuanced answer. You can't ignore public opinion. And the reason you can't ignore it is that public opinion is a uh, surrogate for potential voting behavior. Uh, now, the public can oppose lots of things. Uh, if those things are not things they're going to vote on the basis of, you can kind of take the position, so what? But on the fundamental issues that people are going to vote on, like COVID, the, the economy, and general foreign policy stability, you can't really ignore public opinion. Uh, now, that what that does not mean is that you put your finger in the wind and do whatever is momentarily popular in the polls. And you can't do that either, because uh, particularly on complex policy issues, um, the public actually hasn't thought about them deeply enough that the sort of yes or no questions that you get on uh, polls are likely to be very availing. Um, and so what I would say is you should always keep be aware of public opinion. But at the end of the day, as president, at least, uh, you are not a representative. You're an elected executive. And 
the public did not vote for Joe Biden because of specific views on Afghanistan. He didn't make particularly detailed promises about Afghanistan. And so I, I think the answer has to be you do what you think is right with an eye on public opinion. And that has to be the answer. Um, but it is too simplistic to say either that it plays no role or it plays a dominant role. David, I'm pulling you up again. I'm sorry, I alist you. <laughs> David, the floor is yours. Well, uh, hi, David. Uh, good afternoon, and I would like to first of all thank uh, Kate Klonick for observing just us cheese night in the righteous way of observation. <laughs> I mean, um, I would observe cheese ripe night properly, but. Uh, uh, there's no supermarket around here. I did have cheese, I promise, but I already ate it. <laughs> I don't believe that. <laughs> sort of like I... the, the dog ate my homework. Um, so oh, David <laughs> J David H. just had a brilliant idea, which is that Alice should uh, be brought on the screen and left here for the entire <laughs> 500th episode. And we, I'm going to... Uh, 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 suggest that to her. <laughs> that, that would be pretty painful. So um, I have <clears throat> I have three topics to address, if I might, if the if the gracious uh, Genevieve will will allow. Sounds good. Um, so th for the five hundredth, um, I I humbly recommend to not make it one episode, but why not a five hundredth episode week? This, this is so do, you, do you mean that we can have an entire show on Sabretooth anchovies? No, it's the entire uh, show on Alice I, I being left up. I don't think that's what I said, but I, I, I do because I totally support that idea. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll talk to Kate and Genevieve now. Um, no, <laughs> but. But I, I think the celebration is significant enough that it that much like munch munch munch, uh, it can last a week. To to I mean it's it's momentous five hundred and how how special they have five to celebrate five hundred days across five days. Five hundred chances um, for someone not to give me tenure. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> what could go wrong? In fact, no we should we should study the 500 episodes for no. the 500 <laughs> least appropriate Kate Klonick moments and just make the uh, tenure committee aware of all of them. That's so great. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Do you have a procedural um, uh, suggestion for this, though, David? Because, I, I mean, how would you want this to work? So I, I think that, uh, that well, the, the chorus has put forth quite a significant list of, of things in, and people and personalities. Um, but I, I, think, I think the thing to do would to just deem up next week, 500th episode week, and bring on the, the audience favorites from um, from from Sarah to Ada to Mike Chase to uh, to Tim uh, to to bring on the the beekeeper person and um, uh, the crow guy from uh, 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 was he Paul from Bergstrom? Washington or Oregon? Yeah. Um, okay. So, this is this is. Do you guys agree idea. with this? I think this is a great idea. Yeah. And great. so. Here's what we need somebody to do. Um, uh, we need um, a Twitter poll, a, a, like a Twitter poll, or of, or you know, a, a Google, uh, a Google poll somehow of people's like favorite guests, and we yeah. want to see um, who I people feel like we really do this a little under the radar because it would be maybe insulting to people. Maybe we should do it in the Discord channel. The gods of the Discord channel should uh, uh, should figure out everybody's 
welcome there, right? Right, David? Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. And so people who want to figure out who the people are, um, uh, who should be back for other than the saber-toothed anchovy, um, uh, who should be back for the 500th episode week, um, uh, and you guys report back to us, and we'll we'll try to get them. Yeah. Okay. It also it also would resolve our our numbering issue because if all five days are the 500th celebrate like celebrating all 500, we'd be yeah. at 500. Yeah. Yeah. And 501. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'll be cheese. <laughs> that All right. So, so that was two things, David, right? Or did I miscount? Well, I no, we third question. Um, well, so so Kate was a freebie because she's observing uh, the night properly with cheese. So <laughs> that one was free. We talked okay. about 500. Um, the next one I was going to uh, sort of throw down uh, a statement and say cheddar cheese is the best. Ooh. And you know, you know, have arguments, but wait. Do you, I just want to clarify what you mean by that. Do you mean that cheddar cheese is the best cheese, yes. or that cheddar cheese is the best simple type of cheese, like like core cheese? I mean, wow. sure, surely, wow. <clears throat> like simple. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean by it? What's your what's the core proposition here? So I, I think that cheddar sort of uh, to a large degree embodies the, the beauty of cheese. And you can get different cheddars. You can get just your basic cheddar. But you can get a sharp, sharp cheddar that is, oh, it, it, it's, it's almost painful. It's, but it's, borderline, it's, it's borderline Parmesan. Yeah, but I'm I, I'm still having trouble with what you're I, is what you say that it most fully embodies the concept of cheese, or are you saying that it's actually better than other cheese or better than other food, um, or are you saying that um, you're just trying to be combative and pick a fight <laughs> with people? Like, what what is it that you're really trying to communicate here? No, that's a fair question. I would say that that cheddar is both is both the the common person's cheese and can represent that that which in cheese people can admire so a, as a type i would i would hold up cheddar as yeah. representing cheese the most electable cheese yeah, yeah. A populist cheese, if you will. I want to say that until Wisconsin stops uh, outrageously gerrymandering its districts, I'm not going with cheddar. I, I mean, no, I mean, I like Wisconsin. It's a nice state, but I don't think we need to give it the, uh, you know, the sort of uh, the, the, the cheese gold star while... Um, while uh, most, Lisa, most cheese, that cheddar that people eat is from Wisconsin. Um, and I think we should, um, uh, uh, we should just withhold um, uh, uh, validation. Besides, the people of France uh, have like 350 kinds of cheese. Um, and I, I, I don't, I, I'm really, uh, uh, partial to a lot of those cheeses. I was, I really thought you were going to talk about Henry. Also, Himalayan yak cheese is really good. Ooh. Okay. Um, that, that's not a joke. How do you get your hands cheese. on that, though? Yeah, exactly. What's that? It's not a populist cheese. How do you get your hands on that? Uh, by having friends from Nepal you know, who bring yeah, it for exactly. you. Okay. Um, when when I was a small uh, when 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 uh, we had a friend from Nepal who lived in our basement for a while, and uh, she tried to convince my my then one of my now adult but then child children uh, told her that um, the yak was a mythical beast, and uh, Sarabi. Um, uh, tried and tried and tried to persuade um, 
my kid that uh, the yak was a real animal and that she had grown up eating yak cheese and drinking yak milk. And uh, uh, my kid was completely convinced this was Sarabi was trying to put one over on her. So Sarabi brought back from Nepal a giant hunk of yak's cheese. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, I thought you were going to say something about the ennui of Delta. And I like I was going to say that like I am definitely feeling that. So, yeah, my, my last statement is I, I and I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone, and, and, you know, my life is not hard. You know, I, I privilege and white and all this kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, Delta is really bringing on a real sense of uh, ennui to me. Because it's like, ah, oh, I thought we're over this. But we're not over this. We might be done with Delta. Yeah. We might be done with COVID, but COVID is not done with us. And uh, any pro tips would be much appreciated. But but I really I continue to appreciate all of you, uh, even Scott, who's boycotting uh, tonight. Um, That's boycotting to you. <laughs> but nice. no, I like I, I like when I saw you say that. I, that was the first time that I've heard someone say that from like kind of my friend group or my community, and I was like, oh yeah, like maybe that's why. As I was just telling Genevieve, like before the Ben Ben, before like we kind of went public, I was like, I just have been sleeping so much. I've been really like kind of like in the, in the dumps, and like I don't know what's happening. And I, if I, I had to be teaching, I, I'd be like off teaching, but like I haven't had to, and so I've just been like, ugh, I just feel I, awful. I totally have a great suggestion, um, which has been working brilliantly for me. Um, Amtrak. Um, the little compartments, very, very low COVID risk. It's um, a very pleasant way to travel. Uh, and U.S. national parks. One thing we have not done a show on is the, you know, we've talked about the U.S. Postal Service, but the U.S. National Park Service, can I just say, is freaking awesome. And like right in back of me, we got this, uh, you can't really see it, but we've got this uh, incredible um, uh, national park. Um, and um, I feel pretty good, actually. I've spent the last week and a half trekking around doing things and been really COVID cautious along the way. I've been carrying some COVID tests with me. Um, and um, uh, uh, and, you know, but visiting friends um, and going to uh, national parks and traveling by train. And I have to say, it has really uh, uh, improved my mood. So that is my um, uh, uh, But like, no offense, Ben, but I think that's kind of like getting out and doing stuff is like improves your mood. I like, I felt the same way three weeks ago. Like when I was like, you know, in Montana and doing stuff, it felt much better. But like, I don't know, it's kind of hard. Like when you like are sitting in your house and you're trying to choose between going outside your house or like staying inside and like the all of the Delta stuff is happening. Although like, sorry, but you but you are right. Like there is. But this is kind H of harder, harder in densely populated parts of the country, which is why I left my densely populated part of the country for a couple of weeks and went to less densely populated part of the country. Um, uh, so that's my suggestion. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate all of you. And I appreciate the Greek chorus very much. So thank you, Greek chorus. Thank you, David. Okay, and then we have Daniel. Hi, Daniel. The floor is yours. Uh, he is fully in his native habitat today. You cannot discern the color of the shirt. It seems to be uh, black, but it probably isn't. Uh, and he's backlit. So I just want to say, uh, welcome back, Daniel Burge. Uh, we've missed you. So I think I can credibly promise to be brief. My uh, suggestion for can always the credibly promise to be brief. My uh, 500th episode suggestion is Scott as a undecided 
person asked to whether to get a vaccine interviewed by Sarah Longwell. And credit to Paula for first making this suggestion in the chat. Excellent totally idea. Think, yeah, I, totally I don't think, think Scott is Scott undecided on on the vaccine. However, no. um, you can play one on TV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that would be amazing. We can definitely we can definitely see if that can be a thing that will happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I miss Scott. I'm sad he's not here, but I am excited for him bringing his kid to college. And yeah, um, I will will text him right now and see if he would be up for doing that with Sarah. And so we are going to leave it there, but uh, after the Greek chorus makes its decision in its secret uh, uh, Discord chamber, um, uh, tweet at us, uh, David Botts, I'm assigning you the duty of uh, tweeting at us the Greek chorus's collective wisdom about who should be on the show for the 500th anniversary celebrations. Uh, and we will then reach out to those people and dragoon them onto the show. <laughs> I am also working on trying to get Derek Delgadio to join the show, um, uh, though that will probably not bring be in 500th anniversary week. Cool. Um, that sounds awesome. Do uh, John raises something quickly in the chat. Do we have a deadline that we'd like them to respond by? At the end of, I guess, by Saturday night, I guess. Uh, if, if you could Friday do night Friday better. night, it's better because then we have the weekend and we have the weekend to get at least the first couple pieces in place. Yep, that's true. Yep. All right, everyone. We will Great. see you on Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern. I will not do that math because I will yeah. embarrass myself. <laughs> uh, wait, I can do it on the spot. I believe uh, that is 96, 95 hours. Uh, when, no? Wednesday, Thursday, no. Friday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday Sunday. Sunday. Five, and then Monday? Monday. So yeah. six, six. So it's six times 24. Oh, yeah, um, that's totally wrong. Um, uh, yeah, so it's six times twenty-four minus uh, one hour from now. One hundred and twenty a time, or one, yeah, one hundred and twenty. No. And yes, I, I am not in central time. I am in mountain time, Len Grossman. So, uh, but that does not affect the. Yes, it is one hundred forty-three hours from now. Uh, no matter what time zone I am in, because. Uh, in lieu of fun takes place in the Eastern time zone, but really in our hearts in universal time. Uh, so 143 hours from now uh, and uh, 53 minutes. And until then, Kate? We don't have fun anymore, but we do have the 499th episode of In Lieu of Fun. Under our fucking belts. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm wearing a belt. <laughs> Bye.